Welcome to 48 Minutes, a podcast about inspiring leadership. My name is Kaline Kavins, and today I'm talking to Pablo Pantaleoni, the Vice President of Global Strategy and New Ventures at Headspace, the meditation app. We talk about mental health in times of COVID, as well as how to stay balanced as a busy entrepreneur. Hope you like it. Our guest today is Pablo Pantaleoni, the VP of Global Strategy and New Ventures at Headspace. The meditation app, which has been downloaded more than 62 million times in 190 countries and has already over 2 million paid subscribers. Pablo was born and raised in Spain, or should I say Catalonia, uh, but is currently living in Santa Monica, California, where Headspace has its headquarters. At the core, he's a born entrepreneur. In his second year at university, he launched his first company, Apartment, an online student platform active in 14 European countries. After graduating in economy and business uh, at Universitat Pompeu Fabra and a master on creating internet business at the Universidad Ramon Llull, Pablo worked for banks and brokering firms specializing in international markets. In 2011, he decided to quit his job to co-found MedTap with a mission to facilitate lasting behavioral change by personalizing validated prevention and treatment plans. Pablo became the CEO of the company, which later moved headquarters from Barcelona to San Francisco. In 2017, he became the senior director of health at IDEO, the human-centered innovation and design firm. Two years later, he was recruited at Headspace. He is also a speaker in congresses and colleges on topics like entrepreneurship and healthcare, And at the age 27, Pablo has been awarded in the famous Forbes 30 under 30 list in the category healthcare. I met Pablo at a birthday party in Spain, but actually I don't really know him very well. So I'm looking forward to spending a bit more time with him right now and getting to know the person behind all these remarkable accomplishments. Welcome, Pablo. Hi, Marlene. I'm very excited to be here and thanks for inviting me. Pablo. I, it sounds like... Uh, 30, 30 and 30, 27. It seems like a long time ago. <laughs> How old are you now? I'm, well, I'm 32. 32, okay. So not able to make it to that list anymore uh, these days. No. Um, so Pablo, as said in the introduction, you're currently uh, working at Headspace um, as the global VP of Global Strategy and New Ventures. Uh, the first question that comes to mind is, do you meditate? Good question. Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Um, I learned about Headspace back in 2016, I believe, 2015. And I was, when I was in the startup life, and I was living at the airport, taking, you know, um, one flight to East Coast, to Europe at the time. And I, I really... Well, I had a life with a lot of stress, not sleeping uh, at all. And then it's when, you know, randomly after watching a movie, I saw Headspace. I, I read before about mindfulness. I tried it. And since then, I've been, you know, kind of um, using Headspace. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. If you ask me, do you meditate every day? I should. The answer is no. But I yeah. think I meditate kind of, I don't know four or five times a week. Um, yeah. 
That's, I think that's still uh, more than average, so uh, very nice. Um, why did you join Headspace in the first place? Yeah, good question. And, well, it's definitely because, one, I experienced the, the benefits of, of the product myself. And I'm a big believer on Headspace mission, improve the health and happiness of the world. And, and then when I was at IDEO, and I saw a lot of kind of companies approaching uh, new solutions in the digital health space, but there, I saw a gap between physical and mental health. And, and, it's, and we have mind and body in the same place. So I think we need to have cohesive solutions for mental and physical health on top of this. And as we know, um, mental health can be uh, an, an area that, that we need help. And Headspace was uniquely positioned um, you know, to go after this space and to build new products in, in healthcare. So they, they offered me a great opportunity uh, to lead the digital medicine subsidiary and build new products from scratch for, wow. for physical conditions. And being the GM there, and then on top of this, um, a few months back, they they also asked me to and uh, to lead the strategy team. Cool. Sounds like uh, you're in the the heart of the company. That's very cool. Um, as said, yeah, we're currently still in a global pandemic. Um, have you seen a rise in in app downloads uh, at Headspace? Yeah. Totally, and especially March, April, we saw a huge spike, more than double in terms of downloads. And on the on the B two B side with employers, and we saw a spike of over four hundred percent in inbound inquiries. You know, to offer headspace and to to um, employees and different employers. So yeah, it was it was crazy and. Working so many hours, it's it's still kind of crazy. But the good thing is, uh, people really appreciate the value of Headspace, and and we can help so many people. So this is what gives us the extra energy to you know to to just navigate through this spike. And and you've seen, I mean, I'm so much respect for all the healthcare professionals and all what they are doing. So, and um, mm. if we can nothing compare with what they are doing, so if we can help offering. New solutions, and we kind of launched different solutions like free access to Headspace to healthcare professionals during the pandemic, free access to Headspace to the unemployed. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's um, I'm really proud to be at the company and that it's um, you know so committed to to really helping people during these challenging times. Yeah, and um, indeed, I think uh, sometimes people need a a crisis to start uh, with new good habits and uh, if meditating or mindfulness can be one of them uh, I think you will be very happy but I will uh, will all be very happy uh, with that uh, trend um, what did you learn uh, since you started in Headspace uh, what did you learn about mental health is there something that you learned uh, that you find remarkable or you want to share um, well, I mean, sounds kind of obvious, but just making sure that um, helping people to reach this level of awareness, being more present. So this is kind of the common thread across, you know, everyone, but then meeting people where they are. So I think in Headspace, um, 
we have kind of different uh, mindfulness solutions for you know different situations meaning um mindfulness in the workplace mindfulness for specific um health conditions so pain coping with cancer and uh, mindfulness for you know dealing with a hard time doing you know in your relationship so it's all about it's not like standard you know kind of content for everybody it's really meeting people where they are and really understand where is everyone in the journey and there are a lot of people that are new to a uh, meditation there are some others that have some experiences it's about you know meeting people where where they are and having a cohesive kind of um experience yeah do you feel that um headspace is is for most people where they start with meditation and then uh, or, or where do you position yourself I, that's how pers i perceive it most starters they they, they start with headspace yeah um, well good question definitely we have a lot of people that are new to meditation and we're not positioned just to serve people that are new to meditation we have a lot of people that they um, have been you know kind of conversations with people that i've been using headspace for five years and okay. every single day and i've been to every single kind of a content pack and and other people that just come to headspace just for the sleep content you know to help them sleep so it's just beyond meditation we have then you know now a lot of content on movement on you know focus music so people come to headspace for different reasons you're right we started kind of a purely meditation company and a lot of users and that we have um, came to Headspace and just because they were curious and just to start their journey in meditation. And we have a really kind of, a, I think, a great onboarding experience on basics. So we have kind of yeah. three packs, basics, one, two, three. So I think, yeah, it's ideal for, for new meditators, but also um we have people that have been meditating in in the past so yeah. it's more it's more flexible okay um how have you personally uh, experienced the pandemic on a personal <laughs> level yeah and uh, well i'm going to be very honest with you um i i remember it was march 12th and then we had a kind of a leadership meeting and it's like um, well, I mean, before March 12th, um, late February already kind of seeing the trends and just planning, you know, um, what we're going to do. But then March 12th, uh, Headspace announced to all the employees that we were going to work home uh, until further notice. Um, so to me, I'm Spanish, as you know. I really like to hang with people, very social. Um, so... I mean, Zoom and other solutions are great, but, yeah. but it's not the same. And, and one thing that I like about, you know, our team, it's a cross-functional team, different backgrounds. So it's great when you have in a room all these people and we use a lot of kind of whiteboards and post-its and all this kind of stuff. So now getting used to the new normal using solutions, we still do the same things, you know, using solutions for post-its, using different yeah. uh, online kind of whiteboards. But especially, I would say from mid March to probably, you know, end of June, it like I said before, it was crazy and uh, working many many hours because we saw this huge spike of, you know, users on the consumer side, but also 
in enterprise and also in healthcare. So yeah, we wanted to that we can offer Headspace to as many people as possible, also launching um, Headspace for free to different groups, like I mentioned. So there was a, it was intense, a lot of work, mm-hmm. just getting used to work from home, just yeah. being in the same chair for so many hours. Yeah. And, but I would say after, you know, end of June, you're just getting used to the new normal. So I, yeah. I guess now, now it's better. Yeah, yeah. it's also, also on a personal level, Carlina, it's hard to be so far from the family and mm-hmm. most of my family is in Spain. So always trying to chat with them and at the very least once a week, if not more, and seeing the situation there with so many tests. Now the U.S. is a way worse situation, but um, <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're Spanish, so living now in the U.S. already for I think five years. What's yeah. the most Spanish about you? What <laughs> the more Spanish? <laughs> Why well, cannot? I cannot um, resist and, and always when a meeting gets too serious for, for too long, I just have to make a joke. And yeah. that's how you see real Spanish. And also, I, I typically don't do siestas sometimes on the weekends. But um, to me, what it's key is having a long dinner with my wife every night where I can disconnect, you know, not every day, but if I can, you know, a glass of wine. So yeah. just, I would start to, you know, we have breakfast together always and dinner always. Now the good thing about working at home, we can all also have lunch together. Yeah. So that's the, I would say the two things are the jokes and kind of the um, time at the table enjoying, you know, yeah. um, you know a, a good plate of, of food. Yeah, nice. So a um, bit back to your um, second startup, Metap. Uh, so you started it in Spain, but then you you moved it to the US. What, was that a, a difficult decision, or what drives the decision? Yeah, good question. Um, well, the main thing was we had some uh, clients and partners in Europe, and they were asking us if we could expand the service into the US. So we started working with our partners in the US, and and then we saw that through Obamacare and other kind of new um, initiatives, the U.S. market was way more mature in terms of digital health and the mm-hmm. product that we had. So it was a strategic decision that, that, that we made at the board. Um, I think we should move the company to the Bay Area, still have um, of the team in, in Spain. Um, so yes, it was a hard decision because we move too fast and it's hard to manage kind of a team nine hours time difference. Um, so, and making sure that you all share the same, you know, kind of North Star and, and goals. And so, yeah, I guess it was, it was hard at the time, but, but I think we had enough data and enough signal from the U.S. market that, yeah. that there was a huge opportunity there. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, find the most difficult about launching a company? I would say um, it's it's the it's the team. So the I learned team it's the most important thing. Um, so you have to spend enough time with the team and in making sure that you all share kind of the same goals and align vision and. And, and making sure that 
and you know everyone feels supported and especially when you have three teams in three different countries different time zones and it's really important that you know you bring them all together and when you're in a startup and you you need to execute fast you always kind of since, since you need help you tend to i'm not saying and i don't want to say that everyone does this but at least it was my mistake just to hire people really quickly mm-hmm. and, and yes and i what i learned it's like you know you need to take you know time to really make sure that you hire the right people and yeah. it's the right process and because it's all about the people you have on the team mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's also a bit what they say at google eh? that the hiring uh, is kind of uh I think there's this quote which says, hire, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Makes, makes sense, yes. Well, Pablo, when, when you are in a startup team, what would you consider as your biggest added value in that team? Um, I'm always optimistic. So I'm a problem solver. I like challenges. So when I see part of a team, it's disappointed about something or just, oh my God, we're blocked here. And that's, it gives me energy and, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, let's map all the different options. And, and there is always a way out. There is always a plan B. And yeah, I think this is my, one of my biggest strengths. Yeah. I will say. That's where you come with the Spanish joke. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> Let's make a joke. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Okay. Um, what drives you in life? Do you, have you ever thought about that? What, is, what drives you? Totally. And, yeah, and I'm glad you asked me this question. I met a lot of people that work in, in healthcare and wellness and digital health. And they said, well, when I was like, after 15 years in this industry or after how many years, I just learned that you know, working in healthcare is what drives me, you know, and working for a company that has a, such a great mission and vision, not just talking about Headspace, but, you know, other companies in the digital health space. I... I'm lucky enough that I learned what drives me, which is two things, education and healthcare, really early on in my career. So as you said, I worked in, as a, in the finance industry for a very short period of time. And yes, I was, I was, and again, all the respect about the finance industry, and I was good with numbers. I'm good with numbers, but, you know, it didn't fulfill me. Yeah. And however, when you're working on the outside so many hours and you hear the testimonies from users, how your product is impacting their lives. Oh my God, there is no salary in the world that can pay this. So yeah. this is what really drives me. And this is why the, you know, one thing it's healthcare, but also I'm very passionate about education and because I really think that we need to empower people rather than telling them what to do. And rather than what, um, in just giving them options and I love to support new entrepreneurs and I love new ideas. I spend a lot of time talking with people randomly reach out to me. It's like, Hey, I have an idea. Can I share it with you for feedback? And it's like, sure, always. Yeah. And I, I, I love to do this. So this is what drives me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
that uh, you're right at your uh, spot uh, where you are now. Yeah. Mm, is there anyone in the startup world or outside uh, startup world that you find uh, particularly inspiring? Uh, good question. I mean, I can, many, many people inspire me. I can go, you know, with Nelson Mandela, of course, and, and what he did and, you know, and also I think that Elon Musk, it's crazy, but I have so much admiration because one thing is kind of disrupting one industry and just continuing scale. Others have done this, but then when he's at a certain level, he just starts from scratch disrupting a new industry. And he's done yeah. this kind of uh, three, four times. Um, so I really respect that. And I'm grateful that there are people like this. Um, but I honestly, I mean, yes, I have a lot of respect, but I, it's not like I admire them. Mm -hmm. and, but the, I really, and this sounds like a topic, but what I admire, it's my, you know, my wife and my grandmother, my those are the people that really teach me a lot every, every day and the people that I really learn more from. Nice, pretty beautiful. She, she will be very happy uh, when she hears this. <laughs> oh, that's true. I can, I can yeah. give you examples. Um, what's the best advice someone has ever given to you? Um, it, the best advice is um, where whatever you do, it always will come back. Um, meaning um, all your actions will come back, um, whatever you do. So just be very mindful on, on what you do. Um, and the, the other one, sorry, um, you, asked, you asked me for one, but the other one that I really like, one of my first mentors in the U.S., especially coming from Spain, which is a very different culture. Yeah. Um, and in order to talk, you have to walk. Okay. So I, I, I really like this. So this is why it's great to have a vision, uh, but it's all about how you can execute. Yeah, exactly. You have a great vision, but if you don't manage to execute, it's not worth a lot. Totally agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think Pablo, you've been already from the beginning in pretty high paced environments, uh, whether it was in a startup or now in a big startup, um, how do you, isn't that difficult to stay balanced? Uh, I hear you say like, oh, we have new, uh, uh downloads. So, uh, how do you manage that? Um, you mean balance, personal level, kind of work-life balance? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a really good question. That was my biggest learning from my time at MedTech. Um, when I was at MedTech, I worked so many hours, not much sleep, and really not a lot of exercise, not a healthy diet, and... And I think it reflects on your performance. It reflects on your relationships on a personal and professional level. Then it's when I learn about, you know, kind of um, mindfulness, but also learn about, like I said, my wife. I'm so grateful when she was like, no, Pablo, you know, 
and you're going to sleep certain hours. Now we're going to disconnect and we're going to go for a walk, leave your phone here, and then we're going to have dinner. And then you can come back to your phone. But it was hard for me because when it's your own startup and going yeah. through this, but I'm really grateful that both IDEO and Headspace um, really empower people, you know, um, to have a really good work-life balance. So mm -hmm. we have a lot of, of course, a lot of works, lots of meetings, but but definitely if you're not in in a good place, you will not perform as good. And I really learned that, um, I think now I work less hours than what I used to work, you know, when I was working with my own startup. But I think my performance is much better. I'm way more productive. Um, and again, it's just, <laughs> um, come from a culture of long, you know, lunch breaks or breaks. Now I just start my journey nonstop, but it's a, you know, kind of a shorter journey. Mm -hmm. And do you have any special routines that uh, keep you uh, balanced? Sorry? Yeah, I said, they keep me sane, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally. I think um, having enough time between when I wake up and I, and I start my first meeting, just having breakfast with my wife and, and then and stop for lunch, whatever, if, even if it's just, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but stop. And, and then, of course, at some point, you know, just finish working, whatever it's, you know, 6 p.m. or, you know, some days, you know, 7, others 5, but and then go for a long walk. Either go for a long walk and, and I go with my wife and, or I just go for a run. So I try to do, you know, one or the other. And, and then just we have, you know, a nice long conversation over dinner, enjoy a great kind of, um, great food. She she cooks so good, so I really enjoy you know, spending time uh, with her. And then you know, before going to bed, sure, I check phone again, but just I don't go crazy. So mm -hmm. I really, I really try to stop. Yeah, I think that's a very healthy habit, um, uh, which I also advise to many people is that there's always more work, and given that you know that, that you, you have to stop and put the limit uh, at some point because otherwise you never stop. Um, yeah. So you said and, you're, and I, yes? I, sorry, I, I forgot kind of, I think almost the most important thing, which is meaning. Um, so like I said, mindfulness, I meditate. Usually, um, well, Headspace does a really cool thing that we have breaks. You know, if you want to meditate, sometimes I use some of the breaks. Um, but I usually prefer to meditate right when I finish my journey. But the most important thing I was going to say is sleep. So mm -hmm. I used to sleep five hours, five and a half hours, said, no, that's all what I need. Uh, and now I, I always sleep at least seven hours, if not mm -hmm. any. Yeah, exactly. Um, I once um, followed a sleep workshop uh, at McKinsey uh, from a sleep uh, a girl who had a... Yeah done a lot of sleep research and she also said she said yeah there's so many people who claim that they only need five six hours she said it's, it's scientifically it's it's there's only two percent of uh, population that can sleep very short and are totally okay with it and all the rest they need seven to eight hours so so 
I also don't believe a lot of people when they say, uh, and she said the worst is that after a while you become um, permanently sleep deprived. And so you don't even feel it anymore when you're tired because that's, that's the new standard. And she said that's when it becomes really uh, problematic. Yep, 100%. So, um, so you said your wife cooks very good. What's your favorite dish she cooks? Um, fish. I love, uh, you know, good, good plate of, of fish with, you know, kind of salad, or, you know, with a fresh toast to a farmer's market every mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and then we buy potatoes and other vegetables and fruit. Um, and that's, that's what I like. So plate of fish with with salad and then a glass of wine not every day but sometimes yeah. um red dish very nice uh pablo do you do you read um yes um i i read less than what i um, would love to um, and actually this is what i miss from flying <laughs> uh, yeah. because i used to read a lot you know I, there are people, sometimes, yes, I um, have to work, you know, on a plane, but I try to really disconnect, and, mm-hmm. and that's my time, or meditate, I sleep, and then I read. Um, so now, um, adjusting to the new normal, I don't read as much as I would love mm-hmm. to. And is there any book that you particularly liked, that you read? Well, now I'm reading the, the book from Bob Iger. Um, so former CEO of, of Disney. I think it's a great book. I mean, I'm just in the middle and I am, I still have a long way to, to finish the book, but, but I think it's, it's, it's great. And a lot of friends have read them and, and it's a great story. Yeah. And what, what, is, what is particularly nice about it? Well, it's just that he's very open about all the, the learnings through the journey, both on a personal and professional level. So, and for example, now for me, leading strategy at Headspace, he talks about how um, when, you know, the strategy group at Disney had a lot of power, which is great in many cases, but also you're not empowering so much other functional areas. So mm-hmm. where are the pros and cons? And also when um, he was promoted to be the CFO, kind of the journey was very interesting um, mm-hmm. on where he had to pick up. And for for the role, um, but but yeah, and also on a personal level, it's funny because he also likes to go to farmers market every weekend uh. and stuff. So I think I think it's great. It's a, it's a great book. It feels like very honest. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Pablo, what has been the most uh, challenging moment in your life? Glad you asked this because I'm gonna go back to my um, my wife. So we had a few months. 2016 was the weirdest year in my life. Um, I started with a Forbes 30 under 30. The company was growing. Was my wedding, um, but then in October, my father-in-law passed away. Um, so. And I was actually, I was in Europe while my wife was in California. And that was very, very hard for me not being with her right away mm-hmm. on that moment. 
Uh, on top of this, um, I guess there's some challenges at my startup where, um, like I said, it's hard to make sure that it's on the same page on, on the vision, especially when you're operating in two different markets. Um, so I, I decided to to move on from my startup and make a relationship with board members and actually um, one of them even offered me a job after I decided to leave <laughs> and, and of MedTap. So it was, but it was hard to leave your own company. Yeah. And then I just made a huge mistake, meaning I, I assumed that my wife wanted to go back to Spain to be closer to her family in, in those difficult moments. And we had some conversations, but not deep conversations about this. And I got a good offer to move back to Spain and be the CEO of a, of a startup that was part of a big pharmaceutical company. And, and then she quit her job. We left our apartment. And we, we, all, we, we even shipped kind of some of the stuff to, to Spain. Yeah. And we were ready to... But while I was kind of working already with the new team and, and actually with, uh, with the owner of this company, um, it was hard for me after working on the California culture, some of the, the things on the day to day, and my wife saw it. So then I remember, this is a true story. Yeah. Not many people know this, but the day before taking the plane back to Spain, it was 2 a.m. in the morning, and Clara, my wife, said, we need to talk. And it's like, okay, what's going on? And it's like, I think we're going to stay. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yes, I think, if you don't mind, I'm going to take the plane tomorrow because I need to see my family. But yeah. you're staying here, and you explore possibilities in Silicon Valley, which you have a lot of connections. And... And I think this is our life here. We're happy here. I see that, you know, we'll be as happy going back and we can always go back. Yeah. So this is when from, from that moment on, any decision of my life, personal or professional, <laughs> I ask her what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> you discuss it first thoroughly yes. with your wife. Yeah. Yes, and she's the decision maker, not me. I'm like, here are the options. You tell me what, what we should do. <laughs> I'm going to quote that. <laughs> Wives are always sure. decision maker. <laughs> Never yes. take any decisions without them. <laughs> totally, totally 100%. Um, Pablo, I, I imagine you've been traveling also quite a bit. Uh, what's the most beautiful place you have been to? Um, I... Two places I would say. One is um, when I was kind of in my early 20s, I went to Norway, the Lofoten Islands, oh, yeah. and beautiful, beautiful. But last year, actually, um, we agreed with Clara, my wife, that whenever I was going to switch jobs, we were going to take kind of a month off and, and travel. And we went to Australia and New Zealand. Oh. And New Zealand is awesome so in new yeah. zealand together with lafoten ireland are the most beautiful place i've ever been yeah it's um it's also very high on my list um that i've never been there so 
Well, I, I truly recommend that. And one thing they also learned is I even remember on my honeymoon, I was checking my email. Um, but pff, wrong. Now, when we were in Australia and New Zealand for a, for a month, I even took um, out kind of the Gmail app and Slack and all the communication. So I was out, 100% yeah. out during that month. Yes. Yeah, that's the best thing ever. Uh, I think uh, taking really time out uh, and not do anything because you, you will for sure gain it back afterwards. And, um, have, like you have, said, there's always work there. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and life is short, so uh, you, should, you should rather enjoy it. Um, yes. Talking about enjoying life, uh, and it's, it's maybe a bit early, but how would you like to spend your, uh, your days after you retire? Um, well, actually, I have a very clear vision. Okay. Um, yes. I would love at some point, I don't know when, I don't think, not anytime soon, but at some point move back to Spain. I think it's the best country in the world to retire for sure. Um, so I can see, um, you know, living next to the sea and just, you know, eating fresh fish every day and then spend my time advising entrepreneurs, being in a few boards um, and maybe teaching also kind of innovation entrepreneurship. And that's, that's what I would love to do. And of um, course, spending a lot of time with the family, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. So you know, you know what you uh, can work towards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, how would you like to be uh, remembered the day you leave this planet? As uh, a funny guy. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> Um, yeah, like I said, one of my strengths is like um, just always come up with a you know plan B, being optimistic. I mean, uh, I think you were joking, but it's true. You know, it's important sense of humor and joke when there is a tense situation and when yeah. you're blocked. So I think this is one thing, and the other thing now, kind of <laughs> going a little bit deeper. I really feel that uh, where people feel or felt that I'm, I was there when they needed me. So mm -hmm. I think this is, I'm really proud of, you know, the family and, and my closest friends. Maybe I'm not the one that I'm calling you every day or texting you every day. Yeah. But when you need me, I, I try to be there. And, and that's the most important thing. Well, really, uh, really beautiful. Um, Imagine um, you would be given a, a monthly income that's enough to survive and you were not allowed to earn any money. What would be your professional activity? Um, I would say um, teaching. Teaching um, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, innovation, um, yes, probably this because like I said I love healthcare, but I'm not I'm not a clinician. So mm -hmm. yeah, working either in education or healthcare for sure. So I'm very um, I'm very lucky that I I still can do this and 
and you know and, and get a good salary but that's what drives me so definitely helping helping other people empower people to start businesses mm-hmm. um, if you would need to invest all your money into one industry or one sub industry what would you invest it in i think that's a an obvious answer <laughs> but healthcare healthcare it's, healthcare. It, it's really broken and there are so many opportunities um, it's not sustainable and mm-hmm. definitely not in, not in the us but neither in other markets in europe or elsewhere um, it's uh in other other industries we've seen more disruption in he- in in healthcare we've seen a lot of new technologies but the possibilities are enormous so i'll mm-hmm. put all my money in healthcare all in zero down healthcare all in. yes so cool. pablo what's your biggest fear uh, my my biggest fear actually it's going back to not being there for the people that i care most when they need mm-hmm. me and so my biggest fear is well now even what i learned i think i was there for my wife when you know the um, her father passed away but just uh, the the worst 24 hours of my life were that moment when i was in europe she was in california and mm-hmm. i was not there with her mm-hmm. so even if i can even if i can leave anything and just be in and you know fly if I'm allowed to yeah. but I that period you know where I where most people that I really care most about and I have really close friends here that are almost family to me in the US but still all my closest friends and family are in Spain so I I just want to make sure that whenever they need me I'm there mhm nice um what does success look like for you um success is just truly um having an having an impact where i kind of wake up or go to bed sorry and i just okay um hopefully today was a day where i think something that i was part of not that i was driving or kind of change something in some way i i know that you cannot change the world every day but just in small pieces i think very, being very clear on what is your goal in life and what is your north star and always i think before go to bed go to the north star it's like okay was the right, the, the right step in the right direction or not so mm-hmm. that's success yeah keeping track on the north star uh, yeah and i think also um when you follow your north star it, it also gives you uh, a lot more motivation and drive than if you follow uh, whatever uh, external um, driver which is not really uh, proper to you yeah totally is there in any misconception that people have about you eh uh, well maybe when you <laughs> um meet me and i'm so straightforward and i'm so loud in spanish and i joke um i don't know if you think like um i you know on, on a personal level i don't know if i can have a 
this long conversation with him. <laughs> so that's the that's kind of the first the first immediate reaction. And then yeah. on my on my personal life and the people that really care more. Well, I mean the people that care about me and that know me. You know, there's no doubt. But the the potential misconception is um, probably I'm I'm very motivated and I work. You know significant number of hours but just because because i have to because i'm so passionate about what i do and and i think it, it fulfills me so much mm-hmm. so i have a lot of respect for other people but when some people it just oh i have to work and i have to do this and it's like oh no i'm doing this because i i have to rather than you enjoying and believing in what you do there is this misconception that, oh my God, you're doing this because work is so important for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that more often that people just say, I, I have a mission and I cannot do anything different than, than just go for it. Um, yeah. Okay, so I see we're almost um, at the end of the interview. Uh, so maybe a last question. What... what do you have a dream and what does it look like? Um, what, what do you mean? Sorry. Like, um, uh, you, you, have, you have things about uh, you want to change on healthcare or, or on education. Oh, sure. What are the things that you would like to see uh, if, if, if you could dream about it? How, how would it look like uh, in sure. the future? Sure. Um, well, specifically in education, I would love to see, you know, um, in school, in college, where they really empower people to have their own ideas and pursue their dreams. And just if you want to start your own business or solution, they empower you rather than and, and give you enough tools and, and have this more autonomous thinking and your own thinking. So that's what I dream on the, on the education side. And we empower more entrepreneurs and give them more resources. And in, uh, on healthcare, what I love is just for all the incentives to be aligned. <laughs> this is kind of a big dream. But now we have someone who uses, you know, the patient who uses the service. Then we have the physician who is providing care. And then we have a payer who is paying for the services. So we yeah. have, you know, a broken system with different incentives. So um, a world where all the incentives are aligned in healthcare. Um, and would we have also the right tools? Um, it's I think it will be a dream come true. And in a personal life, of course, um, I dream to have a nice family and, and look back when you ask me about you know being retired. So I can see sitting you know um, with my wife um, and then all our grandchildren kind of <laughs> coming and, and and wanting to play with us. So yeah, that's that's what what I dream yeah. about in the swimming pool in Calafe. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Super, Pablo. I really want to thank you a lot for for your time. Um, I know you're very busy. Um, it has been a great interview. I'm I'm very happy I got to know you better. Um, and uh, you're a great person. And keep up the good work and. Uh, follow the North Star because uh, I think the world needs more people like that. 
Well, I really appreciate Carlene the opportunity and I really felt super comfortable and I really enjoyed the conversation and, and thank you also for going on the on on the personal side since and I do, you know, a bunch of interviews but really focused on kind of the professional part. So mm-hmm. I really like how you find to and yeah, I it was I felt super, super comfortable. So thanks for the opportunity. I had a great time. I hope you liked this episode. If you want to stay tuned and hear more personal stories of inspiring leaders, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Bye.